The Lord calls us to worship this morning from the book of Exodus, chapter 15, with the song of Moses. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. And then in verse 13, You and your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. Amen. Father and our God, we come to you today as both poor and rich at the same time. Poor because we are sinners and need a Savior. And rich because you have called us to yourself through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we gather today to join our voices with brothers and sisters around the world and with the host of heaven to sing praises to you. Father, we pray that our worship would be acceptable in your sight today, that it would be, as your word says, a sweet-smelling savor to you. And Lord, we pray that we ask that you would pour out your Spirit upon us, your people, that all we do and say this day might bring honor and glory to you. We praise you for this Lord's Day as we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, and as we hope in our resurrection to come, we do so with faith and humbleness. And Lord, we join our voices together now and pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying out loud, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning for our confession of faith, we're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed. I'll begin by asking you, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This morning for our assurance of pardon, we'll be reading from the book of Micah chapter 7. Verses 18 to 20. You who look to the Lord by faith to cover your sins with your precious Savior's blood, hear these words and believe. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of His heritage? He does not retain His anger forever because He delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham, which you have sworn to our fathers from days of old. Amen. Let's continue to worship now by taking your hymnal and please turn to number 324 as we sing together, Christ is Coming. forward at this time for the children's sermon. Oh yes, you can. You can be there. Come on down, boys and girls. Come on down. I'll squeeze back. You can squeeze up. 
It's good to see you all, boys and girls. I wanted to ask, can anybody just remind us, what are we studying right now? The word honor. Thank you, James. Did anybody bring a verse with you today? Can I, can I take them and we'll read them and we're just going to talk about them for a couple minutes. Ooh, one more, one more. Thank you. Okay. Thank you all so much for bringing these. This is from 1 Timothy chapter 1. Honor to the king, immortal, invisible to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Who is that? That's God, the Lord Jesus Christ. All honor to him who alone is invisible and is wise. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 33 from Simon. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor. Can you imagine why humility comes before honor? What's the opposite of being humble? Prideful. Being prideful, boastful. Look at me, look at what I've done, look at what I have. So humility comes before honor. How do you demonstrate humility? Do you raise your hand and say, look over here, this is what humility looks like. Is that how you show people humility? How do you do it? <coughs> Somebody said it. Love, loving other people. That's exactly right, Simon. You love other people. And actually, this, this next verse, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I want to talk about that in just a moment. I'm going to read these other cards, but... Actually, what I wanted to speak with you about in honor today is about honoring God and honoring others. Just a few other verses. Thank you all so much for bringing these. Proverbs 14, verse 31 from Alyssa. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. So if you're generous to someone who needs something, how are you honoring them? In whose image were they made? In God's image. So not only do you honor your creator by helping those who might be less fortunate than you, who might have less than you, but you also honor the Lord in doing that as well. And then one last verse, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 7. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. So let me ask you, thinking about this verse from Ecclesiastes, does it matter how we live? The decisions you make, whether to, maybe on a particular day, maybe you just woke up and you, we, we sometimes say, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed and I just can't seem to get things right today. Does it matter in your heart on those days that you honor the Lord when you just don't feel like it? It does? It does? So does God give a pass for people who are just feeling grumpy? No. No. No, we honor the Lord even when we do feel grumpy. And, and sometimes other people can tell, can't they, that we're a little grumpy. I want to talk with you about this, this verse. Uh, and I think I was going to read another one, but I think it will help us maybe to just read this one again. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I wanted to ask you this morning, and again, thank you all for bringing verses. 
Please, if you find another one this week, bring it with you. We're going to read it next week. How do we show honor to one another with genuine affection? And I'm going to ask you another question that goes along with it. If one of you happen to see a friend who's sitting here this morning walk in on a Sunday morning and they have this great big box, and just imagine it's, it's one of your friends here, and they have this great big box and they're almost falling on the ground, it's so heavy. What would be the loving thing to do? Help. Help? Would some of you think it might be helpful if you said, boy, that looks heavy, just say it out loud? No. No, no that wouldn't be helpful? Okay. So a bunch of you said help out loud really fast. Why? Why is that helpful? Because that's what friends do. That's what friends do. Hannah, what were you going to say? What he said. What he said, okay. That's what friends do. So in, in the book of Galatians, it says that we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, there are times when each of us have burdens, and it might not be a huge box or a big rock that we're walking with. But you know, you can tell when somebody's sad, can't you? You can tell when they're down, when something's really heavy on their heart. And I want to just encourage you to think about those around you. There might be things that they're carrying with them. And the way that you show Jesus' love and the way that you show that you know his love is by caring for them, even when they carry that heavy load. I'm going to pray for you. Father in heaven, I thank you for our covenant children. I thank you for a, a full front section of the church this morning to sit here, to talk about your word, to read the verses that they read and found this week about honor. Lord, I pray that in our hearts you would cause us to desire deeply to honor you with the way that we live, that we would obey your commandments, that we would enjoy coming to worship. And Lord, I pray for our covenant children that they would even now begin to develop a heart of compassion that you have for us and for others. And Lord, I pray that they would have sincere affection one for the other, that as members of the body of Christ, you have given us to one another, to love and to care for, to help bear burdens and to pray for one another. And Lord, I pray for our covenant children that we would be a good witness to them and how we do that as adults. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Well, you could dive. You could dive. You could dive. Samuel was just saying you could dive with the box. <laughs> you could. <laughs> never know. You never know. This morning for our responsive reading, uh, we're going to read Psalm 27 together. It's on page 793 in the hymnal. Psalm 27 on page 793. I'll begin with the light portion. If you would please respond out loud together with the bold. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. One thing I ask of the Lord, 
This is what I seek. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord, and be merciful to me and answer. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. And then all together, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Amen. Let's stand together and sing hymn number 619, A Shelter in the Time of Storm.
This morning for our pastoral prayer time, I wanted to share uh, briefly a thank you note that we received as a church family. I got this as an email from Steve Jessen with uh, m Disaster Response. It is a ministry of the PCA, and our uh, church supports this ministry. We participated in a training event last year to uh, begin to think about mobilizing as a church family to support those maybe in our area or on the East Coast who have gone through a natural disaster. And Steve wrote this uh, to our church family. Hi, Matthew. I wanted to express my gratitude to Lebanon Presbyterian Church for the generous gifts we have received to enable us to carry out the ministry God has called us to fulfill. Beyond that, I want to express how encouraging you all have been to me personally and in my ministry. I know that I have brothers and sisters ready to serve with us and ready to share the gospel with those in need. I also wanted to thank you for connecting me with Salem Church and Pastor Richard Hodges. I will be doing a presentation at their church at some point as well, so the networking was very fruitful. When I am in the area to meet with them, I will be sure to stop by and say hello. If you could pass along my deep appreciation to the leaders and to your church for your generous support of our ministry and for the partnership in the gospel that we share, your brother in Christ, Steve Jessen. So I want to pray for Steve and Julie, uh, for their family, and for the ministry that the Lord has called them to. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that we may call you our Father. That we are your people, your sons and your daughters. Of all the things that we could think to identify as, as a man or a woman, a husband or a wife, a son or a daughter, or a grandfather, or a grandmother, to be called sons and daughters of the living God. We praise you and we thank you that you are the one who says who we are. And we come to you now in, in humble petitions, asking that you would care for Steve and Julie Jessen. We thank you, Lord, for their ministry, their ministry among us and their ministry throughout the Carolinas as they seek to run directly into places where disaster has happened, that they might share the good news of the gospel. And Lord, we pray for them, that as they go, that you would give them wisdom and discretion, that they would know when to go into a structure or when to wait for others to come and to help. But Lord, I pray also as they are there helping people in some of the worst days of their lives and the worst moments that they will endure, I pray that Steve and those who go with him will go with the words of life, that they will share the gospel with people who are hurting. Lord, I pray that you would protect them as they go, provide the resources that they need. And Lord, thank you for us as a church family getting such a kind note from a dear brother, someone who we have come to know and enjoy fellowship with, Lord, I pray that you would help us to think about our participation in that ministry, in, in sharing the gospel with others, and in being able to lend a hand to people who have significant needs in a moment. And Lord, I do think about and pray for our own church family today, for those in our midst who are suffering physically, who know deeply the sorrows of physical pain ongoing day in and day out. For those who are having health struggles at this 
time of year, whether it be something seasonal or not seasonal. Lord, I pray in our church family that you would be merciful, that you would provide healing. Lord, I also pray for those in our midst who are, who are spiritually not doing well, who would say, I, I know that God is real, but I am struggling to see the goodness of Jesus day to day. Lord, I pray for those in our midst whose hearts are heavy with the sickness of sin. And I pray that you would be merciful to them, that you would be near them as the gentle, loving, good shepherd that you are. That even on this day, you would minister the good news of the gospel to their souls by your spirit. And Lord, I pray in a few moments as we open your word, speak, O Lord, your servants listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jennifer and Emily, for sharing your gifts with us. And for those of you that don't know, a mother and a daughter are singing 
for us this morning. I want to invite you to open your Bibles now to the Old Testament book of Amos, chapter 7. Amos chapter 7, our scripture reading this morning is verses 1 through 9. Amos chapter 7, verses 1 through 9, this is the word of the Lord. Thus the Lord God showed me. Behold, he formed locust swarms at the beginning of the late crop. Indeed, it was the late crop after the king's mowings. And so it was when they had finished eating the grass of the land that I said, O Lord God, forgive, I pray. Oh, that Jacob may stand, for he is small. So the Lord relented concerning this. It shall not be, said the Lord. Thus the Lord God showed me. Behold, the Lord God called for conflict by fire, and it consumed the great deep and devoured the territory. Then I said, O Lord God, cease, I pray. Oh, that Jacob may stand, for he is small. So the Lord relented concerning this. This also shall not be, said the Lord God. Then he showed me. Behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. And then the Lord said, Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not pass by them any more. The high places of Isaac shall be desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. I will rise with the sword against the house of Jeroboam. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God abides forever. This morning the sermon is entitled, Our Shelter in the Storm. And it will be helpful this morning as you think about that word shelter, to think about the shelter as a who and not a what. This is perhaps one of the most personal things that you could consider this morning. Our shelter in the storm. As if the message of Amos 1 through 6 has not been strong and sobering enough, chapter 7 begins the last section with a set of five visions in chapter 7, 8, and 9. And we see three of those in the first nine verses of chapter 7 this morning. God uses visions in the Bible to communicate with His people, to reveal Himself and His ways, His purposes, and what He desires to accomplish. Visions in the Bible are meant to arrest our attention, and certainly the attention of those who saw them. And we are to to see them and to walk away changed people having seen the purposes of God and having seen His mighty hands move. And truly, that must have been the case for Amos as he saw these visions in the text that we read this morning. So we'll look at this text under three headings. The first is the praying prophet. The second, the unavoidable storm. And lastly, a question, who is your shelter? So number one, the praying prophet. It was a fearful, awe-striking vision that Amos saw. He saw vividly 
This is not the, like the difference between going from black and white to 1080 high def pictures. This was a reality that Amos saw and he shuddered in fear in the presence of the living God. He saw devastated creation. The grass was eaten up. The great deep even, the subterranean water, was devoured by fire. He saw a suffering people. It's why he repeats in verse 2 and verse 5, Oh, that Jacob may stand, for he is small. And he saw the omnipotent, almighty God, the judge of all the earth, the Lord of hosts, pouring out covenant curses upon who the Lord called in verse 8, Israel, my people. And he was undone at what he saw. Indeed, how could you see the Lord God pouring out devastations and not be undone knowing that you and I are sinners deserving of the same punishment, the same judgment? Indeed, it would be pride that would say, oh my, look at those people. And not, oh me, who am I, a sinner? In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, the writer says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Indeed, Jesus' own words in Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says to his disciples, Do not fear those who can kill the body and afterwards are done, but fear him who after he is killed can cast you body and soul into the fires of hell. Fear Him. The praying prophet. We see here in this text two movements of God. Perhaps you notice them. The first, He moves in the heart of Amos the prophet to compassion for the people that He saw. Compassion that led Him to intercede, to pray for. In the Bible, the word intercede means to, to pray unto God on behalf of another. And he is moved in his heart for compassion for Israel. For the, the northern tribes who he saw falling under the mighty judgment of God. And to intercede in the Bible is to make an appeal for divine mercy. He was praying on behalf of a shattered people. He saw them falling. And it says... In a mysterious way that God relented after Amos prayed. He stopped. He delayed the coming punishment. But the word forgive in verse 2 confirms something that all of us need to level with. Absolutely every one of us. When he says forgive Lord. He is agreeing with God that they are guilty. That the judgment that God is about to pour out is absolutely deserved. And yet God moves in Amos' heart to pray. Do you believe that? That any time you pray, it is because God has drawn your heart to Himself. He is the one moving in you to, to to bring you to Himself. Amos is praying here, not for the guilt to be removed, but that the rigorousness of the punishment might be reduced even for a time. Even though they did not turn from their sins, we have no evidence of that in this text. And actually, from the rest of the book, we know that they didn't. Even though they did not turn away from their sins, God did relent. He turns from the punishment 
And He gives them mercy. Do you know Him to be a God of mercy? In Exodus chapter 4, God said these words to Moses after the new tablets of stone were written with the law of God on them. It says that God passed before him, Moses, and proclaimed this, The Lord, the Lord, God is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. The last section of those verses is chilling. But did you hear the proclamation of the gospel? The Lord is great in mercy. He does forgive sin. He will wipe away iniquity. I said this first point was about the praying prophet. And I want to consider just for a moment a couple things that I think might escape us if we didn't focus on them. The first is the fact that Amos actually prayed. Amos was not someone who was, you would say, popular among the northern tribes of Israel. He was someone they rejected. They dismissed everything that he said. Chapters 1 through 6 totally disregarded the things that he said. They considered it nothing more than idle talk. And yet he looked upon them as they truly were before God. Poor and needy and dependent. In the book of Ezekiel, it says this to the prophet. This is God speaking. He says, as for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of houses. And they speak to one another, everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. It sounds good. It sounds spiritual. So they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear your words, but they do not do them. And when this comes to pass, surely it will come. Then they will know that a prophet has been among them. Amos spoke the words of God, whether they were harsh, whether they were difficult to hear, whether people didn't want to hear them at all. He spoke the word of God as God called him to speak. That he prayed is something that we should mark. I think that is absolutely necessary in our day. Absolutely necessary that we would be a people, even if it is only within the walls and the confines of our church family. That we be a people who pray for one another. Even for those who may not want to hear the things that we have to say at times. But another movement of God in Amos that he prayed is that he spoke the truth. And maybe this is related to what I just said. That simultaneously he vocally, audibly, to the people that God sent him to, he denounced their sins and yet earnestly was concerned for their souls. He called them to repentance. John Bevere says, love is not silent about the truth. Do you know that? 
Can you conceive of a God who disapproves of your sins and yet comes to you in love and says, turn to me and live. Seek God. Seek the truth. Do you know a God who says your sins are red as crimson, but come to me and I will make them white as snow? Can you conceive of a people who love one another, who can go and say hard things, and people who have a heart to be humble before the Lord and can actually receive and hear hard things? Can we do that with one another as the body of Christ? Are you willing to speak love? Are you willing to receive it? In Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul showing his heart, says this, I tell the truth in Christ, I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. I imagine that as Amos looked out across the ten tribes of the northern kingdom who were living away from Jerusalem, that his heart ached, These are my people. And they have walked away from the living God. And I'm seeking to tell them the truth, God. But none of them are listening. Everyone loves himself. Everyone loves his sin. No one seems to love you, Lord. How long do I have to do this? How long will you break my heart with the sins of your people? He was a praying prophet. We think of the prophets as harsh people, as those that just preach gloom and doom and fire and hell. And here we see the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ for his people. Point number two this morning, the unavoidable storm in this text. There is a troubling image in the third vision that Amos saw. Scholars are divided on what exactly this third vision shows us as the instrument of God's judgment. And not to be technical about the Hebrew language, but because there is so much different thought on this, I think it's helpful to point out that in our English translations, in the ESV, in the New King James, and even in the NIV, they agree it is a plumb line. An engineering device that was used to test whether a wall was constructed and would stand plumb. And if it wasn't, this test that would be performed by an engineer would show That eventually this wall is going to collapse. You've ever built a wall or built a house. You know the significance of having a plumb wall. It might stand for a a day or two or maybe a year or two. But eventually it is going to fall if it is not plumb. If it's not true. Yet other scholars say about this word in this third vision. That it is just a, a plain word to translate. To take it simply as it is. The Hebrew word anik which is a loan word from the Assyrian language, meaning tin. Like tin you might put on a chicken house or or put on a shed, a thin metal. It's not suitable, really, to protect a wall. It cannot really sustain a load of very much, and it certainly would not withhold a breach. And all of those translation matters notwithstanding. The heart-wrenching issue at hand in this third vision, which should cause all of us to consider our hearts and our ways before the Lord, is that God Almighty Himself has taken His stand against His people. Not for them, 
but against them. He calls them in verse 8, my people, Israel. Who can stand if the Lord takes his stance against you? None, the Bible says. We notice in this third vision that the hour of intercessory prayer has ended. It's past. And this third vision removes all doubt that the day of doom is now upon the children of Israel. It is unavoidable. God says in chapter 7 verse 8, I will pass by them no more. We should have in our mind the the Passover celebration. When the death angel of God went through Egypt and the firstborn were killed on that night, God says, I will not pass by anymore. I will punish my people. He calls them objects of discipline. In verse 9, God details the extent of the judgment upon his people. The high places will be made desolate. The sanctuaries will be destroyed. And the house of Jeroboam will be cut off by the sword. Israel had been worshiping a God made in their own image. And all the remnants of their idolatrous ways would be destroyed. And God holds Jeroboam, a leader among God's people. He holds Jeroboam significantly accountable for the things that he did, the ways that he led God's people to worship in a way that God had not ordained. And he says that the house of Jeroboam will be cut off by the sword. He gives him severe punishment. Because he has dishonored God's name, God tells Amos, I will cut off his name from the land. That is some strong language. But we must be very clear. Lest we think about institutions and buildings sanctuaries God is punishing his people for their stubborn sinful persistent rebellion against him for their refusal of his overtures calling them to repent and abandoning covenant fidelity to one another and it was evident in the way that they lived the way that they could live right beside each other and yet despise one another they could walk to worship and think that it was church And yet they were content to bring their idols along with what God had ordained to be single and solitary worship for Him. So I want to ask you this morning, who is your shelter? I told you at the beginning that I think it's helpful to think about a shelter in terms of a who and not a what. Who is your shelter in the storm? And I think you only have two options. Either it's you, your strengths, your accomplishments, your competency, your money, your winning personality. Either it is you or it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the way that you know that it is him is that you have a personal relationship with him. Amos tells us in these first nine verses of chapter 7 that the wrath of God is coming and there is only one suitable shelter for God's people against their sins and against the wrath of God. And in Numbers chapter 32, verse 23, God told his people, be sure your sin will find you out. What Amos is saying is that nobody escapes 
Nobody gets away with it. You may think you have the world fooled. Your family, your spouse, your children, even the leadership of this church. I've got the wool pulled over their eyes. Nobody knows. But God knows. And nobody escapes. The living God says to his people, be sure your sins will find you out. But I want to ask you this morning, and I, this is not in my notes. I want to ask you, do you know, just as Amos prayed for God's people, do you know that the Lord Jesus prays for people who fail? This morning in adult Sunday school, we studied in the Gospel of John about Peter who denied the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, before Peter denied Jesus in Luke 22, that Jesus went to Peter and he told him something. And it sends chills up my spine and turns my stomach a little bit. He said, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. It tells you whose charge and authority Satan is under. But the next words are some of the most comforting in all of the Bible. Jesus said to Peter, but Peter, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. Do you believe that your failures, your sins, are ordained in the plan of the living God? Or do you think that when you sin, you have somehow stepped outside and must find a way to pay homage to God so that you will be acceptable again? What Jesus told Peter was, I know you're going to deny me. And it hurts me. And it aches my heart as your Savior, as your King, as your Captain. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. I ask you, dear church member, do you know that the Lord Jesus prays for you? The book of Hebrews says that He is our great intercessor. He is our high priest. That He offers up prayers on behalf of His people to sustain you. To keep you. That even when you are at your worst and even, even when your own family can't stand to be around you that your Savior prays for you that your faith may not fail. He said, I prayed that way. And that after you have returned to me, you would go and strengthen your brethren. Go and tell them of my great love. Go and tell them of the richness of forgiveness. Go and tell them that even when they fail, I am king over those as well. Do you know that the Lord Jesus prays for you in your failures? That they are part of his plan for your life? There's nothing you could do to earn getting back into the kingdom. Because of your sin. No sacrifice you can do. There aren't enough committees in this church for you to sit on. To make it right with God. Some of us think if I serve God enough. He will accept me. You can't. Jesus came to prove to us we can't. He is the only shelter. From our sin and from the wrath of God. Who is your shelter today? In whom are you trusting? Three things that Jesus has accomplished that you can't do. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. 
Three things that Jesus accomplishes that you can't. You need to level with this, dear people. You cannot purchase forgiveness. You cannot. It is not for sale. Psalm 103 verse 12 says this, that Jesus has taken your sin. If you belong to him by faith, trusting in him, he has taken your sin as far as the east is from the west. We sing, he breaks the power of reigning sin. He sets the prisoner free. Only Jesus does that. Three things Jesus accomplishes that you can't. He removes the wrath of God from you. You may stand in God's presence as a son or a daughter. Not hanging your head, but looking in the face of your Savior. Because of Jesus. And number three, He supplies grace in the daily battle against sin. Do you believe you have what it takes to deal with your sin nature? Jesus died to remind you, you can't. It is stronger than you. It's more powerful than you. It's more patient than you. Look to the Lord Jesus and live. He is your shelter in the storm. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I thank you for this word that you have given us in the Bible. And as we pray and turn our hearts to you, Lord, I pray that you convince your people of the strength of their union with Christ. That the Lord Jesus Christ died and rose again, defeating all of his and our enemies, that we might be made your children and that he might receive all the honor and glory and praise that he is due. And Lord, I pray for your people who are struggling in sin, that they would know the words that we just read. That as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We are not our sins. We are the sons and daughters of the living God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together now and respond to God's word by singing hymn number 175. A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord.
seated as we take an offering to the glory of God. Father, we thank you that you ordain in service of worship that we might come and bring to you tithes and offerings. We confess in your presence that you are the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills. You need nothing from us. And yet you have chosen in your wisdom to give us this, that we might learn to train our hearts to depend on you. That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Lord, we pray that you would help us to delight and joy in obedience. We thank you for blessing this church for the many years that you have and for having your hand upon us. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to pour out your spirit upon it. And we pray that you would use our tithes and our offerings today to spread the good news of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as the only Savior of sinners. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. of our Lord from Romans chapter 15. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing 
that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.